Blueberry, raspberry, ginseng, sleepy time, green tea, green tea with lemon, green tea with lemon and honey, liver disaster, ginger with honey, ginger without honey, vanilla almond, white truffle, blueberry chamomile, vanilla walnut, constant comment, and Earl Grey. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, this is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 260. This time around, the epitome of cool, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. At time of release, her extraordinary and bloody action flick, Kate, is number one on Netflix. She'll tell you how she built this unstoppable badass. Hear what went into some of the gory gags and effects. The choreography involved in a spectacular five-minute battle sequence ballet that has to be seen to be believed. We revisit some of her incredible genre films like Final Destination 3, Death Proof, Black Christmas, the underrated genius of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, where those insane Studio ADI practical effects that ended up being replaced in 2011's The Thing actually filmed. What about Mary's unreal musical project, Got a Girl, with Dan the Automator, her duet with Mike Patton, all on episode 260. And it starts now. This is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and you are listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. I'm Kate. Who poisoned me? Uh, I only followed us. Who was orders? How do I get to him? He doesn't surface ever. Somebody knows. I need to find the people that did this to me. I won't make it an hour without my help. I can help you get them. They're gonna know I was here. Who? Everyone. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an unbelievable, versatile force of nature. As a storyteller and actor, she's gone from Emmy-winning soap operas to poignant dramas to some of the best thriller and horror pictures ever made and becoming an action hero the likes we've never seen before. Everything she does is saturated in style. She is pure and total cool. She ignites something special and people want to be a part of it. The audience wants to be a part of it. It was her unreal ability to handle Wendy's emotional journey and strength and Glenn Morgan and James Wong's Final Destination 3 that had them rework the character to live up to her once she was cast. Tarantino famously said it was her audition for Death Proof that showed him he wrote a better character than he thought he did when seeing it through her voice. Her career is a series of people shouted from the dreams of the most interesting and impactful creators, among them Edgar Wright, Ang Lee, Tamir Bikmambatov, fascinating and fun film work including Black Christmas, the Die Hard film, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, received an Independent Spirit nomination for her breakout performance in Smashed, 2011's The Thing, winning an award from the Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy for 10 Cloverfield Lane, starring in the six-time 
Grammy-winning Fargo, Gemini Man, and the 16-time award-winning Birds of Prey, remaining as ever unpredictable and thrilling as the very characters she steps into in the same breath, short film projects, an off-Broadway stint in Christopher Shin's Dying City recently, or singing in front of sold-out crowds across the country with Dan the Automator. Her new film is a tribute to imagination. It is mainlining adrenaline, a gory and unique action thriller with a heartbreaking soul, a gifted and deadly assassin is drugged with a lethal poison on her final job, giving her less than 24 hours to hunt for vengeance on the neon-drenched streets of Tokyo. There is simply no one else who could play Kate, and she is the reason why it is the number one movie on Netflix. We are honored to welcome Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah! I don't think that's ever been given such an incredible introduction i thank you so wow. much oh my goodness well well deserved my god yes so first of all thank you so much for hanging out with us congratulations on kate and before we yeah. get into the world of this new film we'd love to take a brief look back at some of the amazing iconic genre films that are a part of your history if you don't mind yeah let's do it cool so starting with what many fans revere as the best entrance into the franchise final destination three what stands out to you as things that you had to go through to find wendy and inject something very different into that world you know i think i was just really excited about the challenge of because i think it was one of my first horror films if not my first horror film so to me it was very exciting to think about entering in this storyline that was maybe very far-fetched or unrealistic and trying to make her really real and relatable and make it in like, just really believe it. So I just wanted to play her as very real. And I wanted to really believe like, what would I do if, if my friends around me were dying, you know? So I think, you know, part of me looks back and goes, okay, I took it really seriously, <laughs> maybe more seriously than I needed to. Um, Cause I was literally just like in my trailer, like crying and getting into character and just thinking about, you know, what would I feel like if my best friend died in front of me? And, you know, meanwhile, you know, a lot of people are just watching it for the, the gruesome deaths, you know, but um but the emotional impact of it was very important to me. And so that's, that's really where I was coming from and what I was excited about in, in the role. Yeah. Oh, that one scene on the subway near the end where it, it just jump cuts to that one tear streaming down yeah. your face as you were just envisioned all of your friends getting slaughtered. And that, that was, I believe it's on, there's like a, a great um, making of documentary, which I think is, it's like one of the only films I've done that had a real behind the scenes documentary that um, it's cool to look, to be able to have that, you know, to look back on, but, but that, that just sort of happened on the first take where a tear fell just as the camera was kind of zooming out and that they loved it. So they wanted to keep getting it. And so every take, I had to try and get one tear to wow. fall out of my eye. Oh my God. And they would literally wait until the, <laughs> the camera would be right here, literally like in front of my eye on it, like a zoom lens. And everybody would be waiting until I could get a tear to fall out. And I was like, it was so much pressure because the first time it just happened naturally because I was in the moment and the tear. And so then every take after that, I was literally like sweating, shaking, just going like, come on. I tear. can't even oh, imagine. Oh. It was like, it was so stressful. <laughs> what was the shorthand like with Glenn Morgan that you developed going into black Christmas after that? You know, we just really clicked. He's just such a cool, just kind of kind, quiet soul of a guy. And um, 
I think it just, we, we were just very much on the same page in terms of like, we want to make movies with people that we like and that are pleasant to be around. And so we just were like, let's, let's keep working together. Let's, let's make something else. And um, I love those guys. I, I, to this day, you know, I just think they were, they, they just gave me such great opportunities in this industry to get to kind of show what I could do. And I, I love them for that. Getting to be a part of a monumental theatrical event like Grindhouse and the chance to work with Tarantino in Death Proof. He had said you informed that character for him. How did he nurture that in his direction of your portrayal of Lee? I think by just being incredibly positive. I mean, he would tell me that all the time. He would just like take me aside and he'd be like, no, I need you to know how great you are. No, no. Do you like you as you just, and I was just like, you know, I was like 22 years old or something going, what? Quentin Tarantino thinks I'm great. Like I was like, my mind was alone um consistently and he's just he's just such a great you know he would just build up his actors in a way because he's such a fan of actors so you could just feel that that he'd be watching the scenes just loving it just being so entertained by what everybody's doing and that's like an infectious feeling when you feel that a director is loving what you're doing and they're actually expressing it it's like this adrenaline rush where you're just like, Oh my God, I could do anything. Quentin Tarantino is liking what I'm doing. It's just, um, it's a, it's an unbelievable confidence booster for sure. Here at the boo crew, we love props and costumes and your iconic cheerleading outfit is amazing. Did you keep it? You know, it didn't occur to me to keep it. I, uh, I think I was like, I don't know when I'd ever wear this again. I'm not sure that it really fits into my <laughs> lifestyle particularly. Um, so I, I did not keep it, but it was really, it was really fun to get to kind of be, she's pretty different from me, I would say. Um, so it was very fun to get to kind of lean into that more, I don't know, ditzy cheerleader actress side of myself it was, it was a lot of fun 2011's the thing a, a fantastic movie there is lore that the movie was originally made with entirely practical effects work from studio adi and that the bulk of it ended up being replaced with cgi what was your experience like that to either corroborate or dispel that from being the the truth that that's true yeah i mean there was always going to be i think a bit of cgi because we did have some green screen work here and there but there was a lot of, of practical effects that did, I believe, ultimately get um, sort of altered in, in the final version of the film. So there was a lot, I, I think, that didn't really get seen, unfortunately, at the end of the day. That was some, some, really, some really great in-camera um, practical work. Um, but, you know, these things always happen. There's lots of cooks in the kitchen and, and things change. And, and also... I, I feel sort of weird, you know, ultimately I'm always sort of like pro practical effects, but at the same time, there's amazing things happening with CGI. And so I, I don't want to get too stuck in, you know, in wrong ways with that. But, um, but yeah, I think we were all a little bit disappointed that some of that work didn't get, didn't get seen, you know, at the time. Sure. And finally, one of our personal favorites, Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, it is so underrated, and I'm wondering, from being inside that process and inside that production, what did you find unique about Tamir's vision and the responsibility of really you helping to ground the whimsy and, and giving it gravity and heart through your portrayal of Mary Todd? Well, everything was unique about that vision. I mean, I mean, just like who would ever imagine that a horse would get thrown through the air and used as a weapon in a story about Abraham Lincoln, you know, it's just like, 
like you just you just don't imagine these things but um i love that i love being part of things that are just like completely left of center you know out of nowhere just like wild ideas so i enjoyed it again i maybe took my role more seriously than than <laughs> was necessary um at the time but but i but again it was another challenge that seemed exciting to me like how do you take this completely wild story and try to ground it in something that feels real and true and historical and all of those things and you know i don't know how well i achieved that but that was that was what i was trying to do for sure are you a fan of watching these types of films do you like horror movies yes i've always been a horror movie fan um you know i i would say i i really seek out really well executed horror films. You know, if, if somebody says this horror film is a film that everyone is saying is amazing, then, then I know I, I want to put it on and, and see if, if I agree, like I, you know, I, I want to, I want to see if it scares me, if it builds that kind of tension, if it makes me feel something, then that's, that's just really exciting to me. Do you have any top three that you just love that you could recommend to us? Well, I mean, I don't know that I have any that I would recommend that you haven't seen before, you know, um, but I, I definitely, you know, growing up, my, my main go-tos were always uh, Rosemary's Baby and Alien. Those were like just two of my favorite movies, period. Um, and I think it's kind of why I never felt any sort of, as an actor, any sort of judgment about the genre, because a lot of actors, you go into it and for whatever reason, there's there's a bit of a stigma or, or something, or it's seen as maybe not as high art as some other genres of film. And I was always confused by that because, you know, you look at those movies and there, there's no higher art to me than, than those movies. So I think when it's done at that level, it's just, it, it's like pure entertainment in a way that's, um, that I'm always seeking out. Do you remember the first horror film you saw? Um, I'm not sure if it was the first one I saw, but I remember the I remember the experience of watching Scream in the movie theater because I was like old enough to be able to be I was like 12 years old. So I was too young to really be allowed to see it, but old enough that I could kind of sneak in. And I loved it. I saw it over and over and over and over again. Like I had nightmares about it, but I loved it. I was like so excited. I woke up, I was like, yeah, I had nightmares. I just found it all very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I think that was, that was one of the things that, that really, oh, and The Shining. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot The Shining. I also, around the same time, one like that year at Halloween, my friends and I, we decided to watch The Shining and they were like, they hated it because they hated the feeling of being scared. And I loved it. I was like, I wanted to just start it over and watch it again from top to bottom. I was completely obsessed. I was curious if there's a horror title that affected you and uh, stayed with you over the years. Like, is there one that you're like, that one is just the one that scared me the most and I can't watch or disturbed me. Um, interesting. Um, the ones that I find the most disturbing are, are, are usually the ones that are maybe less, gory but or just um like i don't even know if you consider this a horror film but like that film under the skin with scarlett johansson you know like that that kind of horror where there's just something that it does to you psychologically that leaves you feeling um like something like your stomach has sort of turned over in a way you just feel really strange um films like that um really stay with me for a long time and i i love that feeling Let's talk about the journey to Kate. So what were the things about Kate 
that made you most excited to bring to life and explore? Uh, so many things. Um, I loved how physical the part was. I loved that, you know, on every page I was going to be able to perform some sort of, you know, stunt or just action oriented physicality. And just, just to be able to, to step myself up in that way from having done little bits of it over the years to get an entire film focused on that, um, felt like a really exciting challenge and opportunity. And, and to see a character who is so tough and strong and also kind of awful, like kind of an awful person who is physically deteriorating and emotionally going through a lot throughout the course of the film. It just felt like there was a lot to play there. And I was, I was really excited about that. Yeah. It was very exciting to watch you with all the fighting sequences and, and you improvising as you know, as long, along the way as you go, you do quite a bit of fighting in this movie. What type of uh, fighting did you train for? Well, working with 87 North and Jonathan Suebo, who's sort of, I think usually it's based in jujitsu. They sort of start, start you out training in a lot of basic jujitsu and, and, and working with them on birds of prey, I sort of did a lot of that basic training already. So by the time we got to Kate, I was kind of ready to just jump into the choreography. We had to do a little bit more drilling with like knife work. And I did a little bit more gun training, which I went kind of away to, um, uh, Terran tactical and did some training there. And um, so it was a, a, a bit of building up of some of those other skills. But for the most part, I got to jump into just being Kate and figuring out, okay, what is the scene? Who are we fighting? What's the most brutal, efficient way to get the job done? <laughs> and um, we kind of went from there. The Boo Crew will be right back. The legend of Frankenstein once again brings terror and nightmare to the screen and Lady Frankenstein. Joseph Cotton is Baron Frankenstein. The butt in his face. Devil with his face. I don't care what he looks like. I want him to live. Sarah Bay is Lady Frankenstein. That is what they call your father's life's work, a monster. And they're right. They are not right. She's beautiful. She's evil. And she'll do anything for love. Would you like to have my body bend to you? Would you like to make love to me? She creates a new, more terrifying monster. And only the monster she creates can satisfy her strange desires. Using her beauty and her scalpel, she cuts deeply into men's hearts. Yes, you're right. Kill it. There has never been a movie like Lady Frankenstein. Rated R. There's a wonderful, almost five minute sequence at the restaurant that is like a ballet of destruction. <laughs> and there's some extremely complicated choreography using the props themselves, whether you're cocking your pistol off the side of a guy's face for a split second or bracing someone's side of his neck with a gun so you can stab it with the other side, all these things. Yeah. There's all sorts of knife flips and tricks. Take us to the challenges of that sequence in particular. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that one was was pretty daunting for me because like you said, it's so long and uh, there's so many different kind of sections to it. So when we rehearse it, it just felt some days it felt like this is the never ending scene. And, um, 
you know, there would be times when I would just, just mentally, it was hard to remember all of it. You know, it'd be just, okay, we got through this part, we got through this part, we got through this part. And then, oh my God, I like, wait, no, what do I grab? I grab a knife or I grab a chopstick or what do I do here? So there were days where I was like, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to tackle this. But then once we're there on set, there's just something about everything coming together, everybody being there in character and costume, the camera being there, where it just all comes alive in a way where it just, it, it clicks. And it's a, it's a really exciting feeling when that happens. I'm curious, how do they pull off the gore gags in those sequences? Like in that one where at the end of the fight, you plunge a sword through a guy's head or in the kitchen scene uh, with Jojima, you get a knife stabbed in your face, but it happens for a split second. Is that done in post? Are there prosthetic pieces that get worn during those individual scenes to make it look like that's happening? How, how are those pulled off? It's a little bit of both. It's, it's mostly in, in, in post, but we would have it, you know, we do things like you do one take with a sword or a you know, knife that, that only has the handle. So the rest of it's going to be put in in post, but you have to do it a couple different ways. You know, one way where it's covered in blood, one way where it's clean and like the gag where I'm getting, you know, stabbed in my cheek that that was cool. Cause that really felt more like, you know, in camera where I had to really yeah. sell it with, with just the acting of it, you know, where it's sort of the, the scissors are there and it's, and it's dull, you know, so it's not really going to actually hurt me, but you sort of get it where it's on my skin and it's just starting to go in, just starting to go in and you just sell it with the pain of it. Um, and that's kind of fun, fun to do, to get to, to sell something really graphic without having to do that much, you know, in terms of effects. Oh, it looks spectacular. And just uh, yeah. going back to that restaurant scene in particular, I couldn't help but notice you have a flight jacket on what looks like a flight jacket. You've got a pair of Reeboks on. Is there any subtle nod to Ripley from Aliens on behalf of the costume designer <laughs> with that look in particular? I think it was really unintentional, but we did we did realize it once we started shooting and we were actually watching the footage back. It was like, kind of like, we're all standing there going, huh, <laughs> is that just me? Or is there something really, but it's funny. Cause it, it really was accidental. Cause we kept trying to find the right jacket. I was going to be wearing a leather jacket, but then I couldn't really move very well in it and the fights. And then same with the shoes, all of it was like, it, it just came down to what can I move in? And what looks cool and trying to find the right thing. And what, what could we get last minute? Because we were making changes kind of right up till the very end. And that was the thing that we all agreed on. And so I don't think we really had the time or the foresight to plan out like, oh, we want to look like Ripley, but it just sort of, and then my haircut, it just, everything kind of came together in this weird way where it, that ended up <laughs> unintentionally happening. Well, that's a great thing. And we love how the mechanics of the filming take the viewer inside the action. The camera gets splayed with blood or or the camera falls and flips on the ground with you at, at some points as well. What is your awareness like of leaning into those mechanics during performance in order to elevate those moments? You know, I, I don't really have that much of an awareness of it. My favorite thing I loved are the, the camera um, crew and the, our DP on this film and our camera operator. They just... Sort of my favorite type of camera operators, where they're they're so in it with you that they're almost like another character in the scene, mm, you know. Yeah. And and that's really how it felt. Like I didn't feel aware that oh, this is a camera filming me. It's sort of like this is a presence here, but it's not something that's like I'm so aware of that I'm going to draw attention to it. It just felt like very much like you said, like this ballet. Like we're all playing our roles and we're all a part of it in this way, where we're very in sync with each other. That it feels very very natural. 
The makeup is incredible in this film. How long were you in the makeup chair for? It, it depended on what stage we were in. That's kind of how we did it. We had stage, you know, one, two, three, I think going all the way up to six or something. And so when we were in the, the final stages, it took about three hours to get me ready um, for those, for that kind of last act of the film, I guess, or the last um, chunk of it. And so it felt like I, I, there were a lot of long days. I don't know how many days it was specifically, but there were a lot of days where I was in the, in the chair for hours. So I got really into knitting. That was, that was my, <laughs> I would just sit there minutes while they made me into that, you know, creature. So it wasn't, wasn't so bad. I'm curious when it comes to that in particular, this, this film with um, the emotional shift that your character goes through as well as the physical and, and her, as her health wanes, was that ever an issue with being able to sync it up? Presumably, I, I would imagine you'd shot it out of sequence. Was that something that was a challenge to stay on top of? Well, Cedric was really helpful, our, our director. Um, he was really helpful with keeping me on track with that stuff because there were some days where I was a little bit too, you know, my voice would be a little too clear or too strong. And he would come up and remind me like, oh, okay, like you're really, you're really feeling it right now. You're dying. So let's like, really, you know, let's remember how weak you are at this point. And then moments where it was like, okay, this is one scene after you've just had a bit of the a jolt of, of your, you know, your meds. So you're feeling a little bit stronger. And then, and then how long has it been since you've had that? So it's, it was a lot of calibration um, of figuring all that stuff out, but I, I had help, thankfully. <laughs> and it's exhilarating to watch a character with absolutely nothing to lose. Right. In what ways did the relate did you kind of let the relationship with Ani begin to change the tone of that trajectory and kind of alter the way you portrayed her as the secrets are unfolded and her her impending death takes on a different meaning at some point right it does yeah that was really fun to just let that naturally unfold you know the way that the dynamic plays out in the script and then also the way that it felt with um, me and Miku in the scenes. It was, it was, it was fun. And, you know, in the, in the early scenes sort of trying to keep this stoic um, presence, uh, you know, alive, which is, you know, I don't want to feel anything. I have one mission. I'm just going to try and kill this, this guy and die and be done with it. Um, and not wanting to be pulled into any sort of emotion and sort of letting her kind of slowly pull it out of me. Um, was 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 really fun and and very easy when you're playing opposite Miku because she's just like such a sweetheart that you know if you allow yourself to look into her eyes for too long you can't help but feel feel something (laughs) (laughs) with all the choreography involved in playing Kate right down to the swagger that she has being a very musical person yourself does music help you find your way to a character and are there things you listen to while getting into Kate you know um I, I think, yes. I mean, I, I used to specifically listen to music for scenes and things when I was first starting out or, or in my earlier days. And I do that less and less now, or at least less intentionally. But I think um, I tend to bring something of the character into what I start listening to um, personally. And then that sort of naturally starts informing the character in some way. It's like this, you know, when I'm home or in the, my hotel room, I start listening to things that that feel a bit um, more like um, kind of angry and brutal. And, and, you know, and, and then, and then I, I unintentionally end up bringing that, you know, to work. <laughs> sure. Are there, are there any key examples that you remember specifically of something you were listening to while going through Kate? Oh God, my, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but um, 
you know, I probably listen to a little bit more, you know, rap than I normally nor- normally would have or things, you know, just music that has a little bit more of a, a aggressiveness behind it. Sure. Um, and also even just in training and stuff, that's naturally, that's like more of the stuff that we would listen to that to kind of get pumped up. So that, that just started naturally rubbing off on me as well. Sure. Sure. I love you, but I must drive off this cliff now by your band. Got a girl. One of our favorite albums of all time. All right. We're not <laughs> joking around here. And it culminated in a four city tour back in 2015. I mean, there was a completely functioning bar on stage. Dan was serving up martinis to people in the band while you guys were doing shows. You had all this mid-century furniture on stage. How special was that opportunity to make that album to you and to work with Dan the Automator and putting that together? It was so great. Um, It was a long process, you know, because we obviously I was making movies and he has a billion projects himself going on. So I think it took us about four years or something, at least it was like four years by the time we did that tour of, of that we had been working on that album. And so it was a slow kind of meandering process. But by the time we made it to touring and performing, it was like, it was such a great feeling because I'd never done that before. And I didn't know what that was going to be like. And I was pretty terrified. And then I remember our first show, it just went so well. And we were like, we just had those, you know, the tingly feelings of, of like something actually working that you were terrified to do. And um, that's just like, that's, that's so exciting when, when something like that comes together. I was always curious about the, how the creative process just kind of worked between you two. Like you get a beat for a song, like things will never be the same, which is, is fucking sick. I mean, the stuff he's putting down is, is insane. And then your vocal performance over that song in particular as well. What was the process like of getting a track from him, working on a melody? Was that something you'd go and do on your own? Or would that be something you'd sit and collaborate on? It was a bit of both. We, we did mostly, he would send me stuff. He lives in, in the Bay Area and um, he would send me tracks. And then I would, you know, there'd usually be some sort of melody in there, but then I would try to find a melody to kind of go against that, that melody, you know, to find like the more the top melody. So I'd start out working on that and it would just be a lot of like, la like sort of bopping around, trying to find a melody that worked. And then when I found something that worked, I would start trying to put lyrics to it. And then, then slowly I would start sending stuff to Dan and, and if he liked it, I would just build on that. Um, and so that's kind of how we did it back and forth and back and forth for years until we had an album's worth of, of stuff. And then I would, I would fly to see him whenever I, I could. Um, I, and then we'd record. And so sometimes when we were together, we'd go, okay, here, here's another track. Let's like, let's, you know, sit with it a while and see what we can come up with. And it was really, really fun and a different way for me to work. Um, you know, as an actor who usually comes in and just sort of just does what's on the page to get to kind of create something more from scratch. Yeah. Right. Did you ever get to meet Mike Patton who you sing a duet with? No, I never oh, met him. So I don't know. It's oh, kind wow. of fun that it's just this mysterious right? thing. I was such a fan of, of his before and, and the work that he had done with Dan. So it's really, it's, it's really cool that, that we're on the track together. Hey. 
And so any other plans of bringing that project back to life or, or working on more music yourself? I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, life just got so busy and we're both so busy. So who knows? The door is always open for that. And I love, uh, I'm such a musical person and I'm, I love music so far. I'm just doing it more in the shower, but you know, I'm, I'm open to seeing where, where it goes for sure. What are your feelings about a possible return to the world of Kate? Everybody's talking about this film. I'm sure it's one of those things where people want more. We certainly do. Maybe it's with your character before the events. There's, there's a whole backstory we can explore with this. Where do you think this could go? Would it be something you'd want to do again? I mean, I love the character and I love the world and I, I love everyone involved. So I think, you know, all of those elements to me mean, yes, of course, I would love to to do to do more of it. I think it's just a matter of if we can figure out a story that's ex- as exciting as watching her on the potentially the last day of her life. You know, what other what other story is there to tell? And, um, you know, I think if we find that, then we're all game to, to jump back into it. So we'll see. Ani could always reach out some adrenaline shot thing and pump your leg and you come back to life and we do it all over again. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Most importantly, I need to find out in the Kate sequel, if she gets her a boom, boom lemon. I know. I know. That's really, that's, I think that was really the real arc of the film. Watching right. the lemon. Yeah. <laughs> will we will we get to see you uh, back in the horror genre soon uh, again, or, or is there a, a franchise or character that you like to play? You know, I I am I never close the door to to doing more horror films. I think it's just a matter of me of of finding ways to do it um, that I haven't done before. So, you know, I think there's always boundaries to be pushed in that way in terms of character or story or. Um, style. And and so I'm always just kind of looking for something new in those areas. And um, I'm sure I'm sure I'm, I'm bound to find my way back there. Halloween is upon us. And I was wondering, do you ever like to go to haunts or go to haunted attractions, haunted houses? Do you get into the spirit? I love that. I mean, it's been a little while. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't tend to dress up these days um, just because I, I'm just too lazy. But but on the occasions that I've been to haunted houses, I love it. Um, just kind of same on on the same par as, you know, that I love horror films. I, I like the, the feeling of being scared. So, um, I, yeah, any any opportunity I can get to go to like a real haunted house or, you know, anything where they they do it well. I, I really I am for that for sure well i guarantee we're gonna see a lot of people dressing up as kate yes. for halloween this year awesome well mary thank you so much for spending this much time with us we really appreciate it we're yes. massive fans thank you so much it's so nice to talk to you guys hey, of course that was the boot crew podcast episode 260 special thanks to our guest mary elizabeth winstead at time of release check out her new film kate exclusively on netflix now Music for this episode from Got a Girl production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, Sweet screen. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. 
a bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.